0: welcome back to the Christian dad podcast we are about progress not perfection we consistently take steps on our journey to be great Christian dads there was only one perfect man and it's not us so this is part two of the interview with dr. Brian Gosser Uh, Again, I'm your host, Dan Lewigs, and my co-host, Evan Costello, is with us. This is the part where Brian dives into uh, the second and third keys of being a Christian dad. So disciplinarian is number two, and humble leader is the one that he considers the most important, uh, really dives in there. On this one, we'll talk about a couple um, extreme examples of discipline. Uh, from his personal life so uh, working with his son uh, very extreme examples of, of situations so you'll learn that uh, we'll also talk about how uh, dirt can remind us about humility and being a humble leader so again Brian considers this one to be the the key aspect of the three keys uh, we've got to be humble leaders just like God the Father he also includes a simple prayer about humility and we talk uh, about uh, different Bible verses and things, and the, and the challenge will be at the end of this one. So we've got a cool challenge at the end of this one. It's uh, I got some humor to it, that's for sure. Uh, hopefully you can pick up on that.
1: That uh, you said, it's just kind of like, it's getting the wheels turning. Heaven isn't, or salvation isn't assured. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, well, it reminds me, so I, uh, I got to go to mass the other day for the first time since all this quarantine stuff. And i was listening to it's part of the, the eucharistic prayer i think um, but it's one of the prayers in the mass and uh, the words are deliver us from uh, damnation and i don't think i ever i mean i i am positive that i've heard it a hundred times but i never quite keyed in where it's like yeah i mean short of jesus like." my my default in this life because of sin is damnation my default setting is not you know like i don't have a free ride and i don't have an automatic ticket to heaven like there there is a participation in in the salvation right like i have a participation in that salvific work um and i think you know like it doesn't mean that i get to earn it, it doesn't mean that there's a lot that i get to do you know in terms of winning that or anything like that. But I think it's, it, it reminds me of the call of Levi or the call of St. Matthew. And, you know, like Jesus comes to him in the tax collector's den. He comes to him right where he's at in the midst of his sin and calls him, says, come and follow me. And the very next thing, depending on which gospel you're reading, I think it's uh, Luke, maybe um, but the very next thing that happens, Jesus is having, he, he's sharing a meal with tax collectors and sinners. Mm-hmm. Well, where do you think he met the, cause, cause Matthew is the one who's having the meal prepared. Well, where do you think they came from? Those are the people that Matthew knew. Those are the people that in his yeah. life as Levi, the tax, those are the ones who are immediately surrounding him. And I think like that's the participation, right? It doesn't mean that you know, like, yeah, maybe you have this conversion moment, like Paul, where it's this miracle of grace, you fall off the horse, you're blind. And it's just like this 180. Um, but at least yeah. in Matthew's case, right, like, he was the same person, you know, he, he was, you know, think about like that very beginning of your conversion, you just as easily could have turned around and walked the other way and continued on your way away from the Lord. But one, t- you know, small step at a time. Mm-hmm. And that very next step was, okay, well, here's the rest of the tax collectors and centers that I still know, and they're still the people that I'm affiliated with. So we'll start right here.
2: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: you know, the, the people we're, we're called to evangelize are the people that are
2: right in front of us. You know, we, we so often think, I got to go out there, I got to go serve in the mission field. You know what, your mission field is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's the people God has put in your life. And, and a lot of that is your family. I mean, your family is where it starts. They're the hardest to evangelize because they see all the warts. They see all the, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. So, But there are others, like you're saying. And, and when you, God willing, when I stand before him in heaven, he's going to show me an account of my life. And what I want to see is that I was obedient, yes, but that I was willing to do everything that he wanted for me to do. You know, think, think of all, what if, what if Matthew had just maybe talked to one of his buddies? You know, there was salvation for all the tax collectors available there. You know, Mm -hmm. God is wanting us to drag as many people to heaven as we can. And if, if we're willing to cooperate, he can do great things. We've got five loaves and two fish, and he wants to, Five thousand, and it, it can be done. You know, amazing things can happen that we don't even give God credit for. We're we're willing to settle for for something so small, just the bare minimum, like you said. And and I think that's ridiculous. We're selling God short, and we might as well just quit. You know, just quit. Go, you know, you know, go give up the Christian life, and you know, live, live your life because you're God. You you're Your own God If God is really Lord Then, then let him be Lord And, and do what he has. So uh, Okay well moving on you know, when, when we talk about being the protector um, You know we, we try to protect But sometimes we can be our own worst enemy I mean there are examples of that in scripture too you know, the, the people that I look at are, are like Noah Noah got his whole family on the ark Because he knew the flood was coming you know, and then Noah blows it by, you know, sleeping with his. He gets drunk and sleeps with his daughter. I mean, that's not very good. Uh, that uh, you know, curse it be Canaan. You know, when, when we look in the Old Testament, where did these other tribes come from? There were certain tribes that were thorns in Israel's side, like the Canaanites, like the Moabites, like mm-hmm. the Ammonites. If you look back at those individual stories, they came from sins of the patriarchs. Okay. Um, and, you know, like here, here's one Abraham and Isaac. You know, Abraham k- carries Isaac or, you know, guides Isaac up, up Moriah, you know, to, to potentially sacrifice him. God will provide the lamb. I mean, what an amazing faith that was. Um, you know, and then, you know, in, in another breath, you know, God or uh, Abraham says, Well, you know, I don't have a child, so let me help God out. And then there's Ishmael. And, ishmaelites are basically the arabs who have persecuted the jews ever since you know so it's it's like you look at all these things we we do so much good but we're sometimes our own worst enemy you know and it's it's hard uh we we have to stay on it we have to you know really try and be consistent and, and ask god for for the graces we need to stay consistent when it comes to protecting our kids and our families, uh, I, I look at it and, and try and divide it up into three groups, and I call them the idols of humanity. You know, when, when you look in Scripture, there there's a lot of uh, discussion about money, sex, and power. Those are the three big ticket items. Those are the things that we're attracted to. Uh, that that take us away from God, you know, so there, there's a lot of prohibitions about a lot of talk about money There's a lot to talk about sex in the Bible and there's a lot to talk about power and how, how we're to rightly use those things uh, And and it's geared to us. You know, God is trying to instruct us as his children uh, And and help us, you know when it comes to money you know, and, and things that we can look for in our own kids Are there are they greedy? Are they materialistic? Uh, you know, are they you know, always in need of the next greatest toy or thing? Um, you know, are they taking care of their things? You know, when it comes to sex, you know, whether it be, you know, porn or, you know, in some cases, masturbation with, with teenagers or, um, you know, do do you allow sleepovers? You know, what about provocative dressing? You know, or res- respect shown towards the opposite sex. You know, I was just kind of thinking about you know these things. You know, here's another you know cluster. You know, of tr- trying to keep things. We never allowed our kids to have sleepovers, and you know, because we were concerned for their safety, we didn't know these other families. You know, and and I'm grateful that we didn't, because you know you hear stories all the time about how you know, this girl gets molested by somebody's older brother or whatever. And and not to say that every family is like that, but it's just, this is something that, you know, we need to be protectors of our our children. And then from a power standpoint, you know, do do our kids bully their siblings or other kids? Uh, Do they manipulate those that are weaker uh, or what about disrespect towards adults you know my wife always used to joke with me you know pick your battles pick your battles well you know disrespect was always a battle for me i and i would take that any day you know if, if they were talking to me disrespectfully that wasn't going to happen that that was an automatic you know i'm going to put you in your place cuz you don't talk to any grown up that way so it, you know when we talk talk about these things you know you you have your own lists here but you know there, there are things that we really need to protect our kids from. Now, first and foremost, we have to look at, at self. Am I weeding these for my life? And, and I'm reminded of a prayer that I read somewhere that, that I've always held close to my heart. It's, Lord, help me to live a life worthy of my child's imitation. Let me say that again. Lord, help me to live a life worthy of my child's imitation. You know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. You know, and, and you know, how how is it that we can expect our children to do things that we're not willing to do ourselves? You know, if, if I'm not willing to give up, you know, there, there may be dads out there that struggle with porn. I'm sure there are. Uh, There are maybe dads that struggle with this and that, you know, how, how do we expect our kids to do something if we're not willing to do it? You know, I want to live a life that they will imitate, you know, Lord help me. I mean, I, I, am awful. You know, I, I really, I am trying my best and my best isn't good enough. So, you know, what do we do? what do we do? Um, you know, and, and the second thing is consistency. Are we being consistent? And that's the hardest part. You know, I'm sitting there on the couch and I hear something going on in the next room and I'm tired. You know, I've had a long day at work. I don't need this crap. I mean, come on, can't you get along with your sister? <sighs> All right. Okay. You know, get up and go do it. You know, it, it's that consistency not, not just a, a day or a week, of years of consistency that eventually makes the difference. You know, it's that willingness. Because love, love isn't just today. Love is, you know, is consistent. It's all the time.
0: Quick quick point. When we're tired, when we're had things wearing on us, devil's got a little opening. We might want to be a little bit more in a protector mindset and just be aware that uh that we're a little weak at that point. So Yeah, big big point you made there, and uh, wanted to highlight it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic piece about protecting and the and the three points in there absolutely critical.
2: Do you guys uh, do you guys need to take a break or something like that?
0: No, man, I'm riveted. I'm taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) I I I will I will interject. There's a
2: test at at the end of this.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm, I'm hoping to at least be able to pass, like, and I want to yeah. practice, and I just want to implement as much of this yeah. as, as, as I can. Um, I, I will interject but before we get on to the next couple of points. So we met just over nine years ago, I would, I would guess, and without you, I wouldn't have my two children, my guess is, or at least not these two children. My two daughters. So
2: That's debatable.
0: We we struggled for five years to have kids. We had a few miscarriages along the way. You have a certain um, Creighton model or NAPRO technology or the terminologies I hear thrown around. It's like a a natural um, family planning method, but with a little bit more involved is my simplistic way of explaining it. I think we spent 10 bucks on vitamins and nutrition differently than we had been before and a small minor surgery. And next thing you know, we have two children. Um, met you in your office.
2: Two beautiful children, I might add, because they look like your wife.
0: Thank you. Yes, yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. And, uh, we, we met in your office and you said, uh, and, and I'll, I'll give you my version of it. But uh, we met and you said, you know, nice to meet you. Welcome. Sit down. Uh, I'm going to go through a few things and I'm going to talk for a while and I'm going to go through my checklist and uh, please don't interrupt. Please don't ask any questions until I get done talking.
2: Man, what a jerk.
0: (laughs) And I kind of thought this guy either is like those other doctors that were kind of jerks that we've had many experiences with. However, those guys really wanted to build up some commonality and bond, bonding so that maybe they could sell me a bill of goods down the road. And the other guys used uh, hope and wish and try and maybe and, you know, we'll see and we'll do some hocus pocus and maybe magic happens. Who knows? And I'm like, I thought this is your specialty. But instead, you said, I'm just going to do my thing. This is what we do. And you said 91 percent. Of the time within 12 months of following my checklist, or our checklist developed, but 91% of the time we have a successful pregnancy that goes full, that that has it has has a healthy baby or has a baby, what have you. And uh, the other guys were all bragging about 49% or 50% or blah blah blah. And I was waiting, waiting. I'm like, you said I gotta wait until you're done talking. <laughs> And you'll let me know. And it's my turn to ask questions. And I said, how did you say 91%? And you you quickly go, uh, I said, how did you say that and say that in a humble, matter of fact kind of way? And your response was, well, because it just is the results. And if you'd like, you can go check our you know, records and the science behind it and see all the different blah, blah, blah. I said, the other guys are bragging about 50% and they're beating their chest and full of pride, which I didn't like. I felt like it wasn't. uh, I felt like it was a worldly thing that they were bragging about, not a from God type thing. And uh, it was just the most uh, amazing kind of intro doctor meeting I've ever had. And through the checklist, there were like all the questions my wife and I had after five years of trial and error and heartache and suffering and like, boom, boom, boom. There it is. Like, and 91% and he's not bragging. He's just saying like, it is what it is. And uh, you open up the meeting with a prayer and, you know, I asked you that question. We had a couple follow-ups and we left that meeting and I'm like, this is it, honey, this is going to work. I think it took us maybe 15 months to have a pregnancy that, you know, all worked out great, but It was amazing, and I thank you, and we talk about you and the practice and NAPRO and the Creighton model as often as we can. Too many people have struggling in this area, and they keep it to themselves and won't talk with others. They don't have that band of brothers. They don't have that advice and counsel until they just open their mouth just a little bit and all of a sudden you find out there's so many other people that have had those same struggles that have been wanting to share their story and help others. So, so thank you.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Glory to God, right? I mean, glory to God.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
2: <clears throat> no, I, do I have to keep sending checks, Stan, or is, is it, <laughs> we good now? <laughs>
0: I'll send you a check anytime you ask. There was a
2: part of me that was like like that Marsha Brady, you know, I think I just threw up in the back of my mouth, but I'm I'm okay now, you know, I'm good.
0: No, I'll I'll send you a check anytime you <laughs> ask. So um
2: No, I I don't do that. You, you, you've, you've,
0: you've, yeah. There's many other checks we could have written to other places with different things, with different results, but uh you were by far the most economical. <laughs> Solution. So I'm, I'll gladly write you much larger checks for the results we got. It well, was amazing.
2: Well, even just having me on here is is, is definitely a check. So I appreciate it. The um, so we, we talked about. Let's kind of get to the, moving on here because yes. we got to get yes. to the end sometime. Uh, you know the first the first thing was God as protector. You know we we are taking our um, our initiative as fathers on God, the father, you know, so first of all, he's a protector. And then second of all, he's a disciplinarian. Um, We don't like to think of God as a disciplinarian sometimes, but if you look in the old Testament and and this is what we were getting at before God called his people to greatness. You know, he called people to, to jump way over the bar, not just barely over the bar. You know, he gave Adam and Eve, everything in the garden himself, gave them everything. And, you know, the problem is, you know, we think of our kids, we want to give them everything. Okay. We can't. We can't give them everything because they don't appreciate it. Just like Adam and Eve didn't appreciate it. The, the, the problem with, with Adam and Eve, and then I've thought about this a lot, is they were like the spoiled rich kids that had everything. Okay. They had no idea how limited and weak they were. And they had no idea the depths that their father would go to for them. OK, so they were deficient in that way, not not because it was sinful, because this was before, before the fall. It was just they were ignorant. They, they didn't know. OK, they didn't know. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the problem, too, is is our with our kids and, and our discipline is we really do not realize how limited we are. Uh, and, you know, our, our kids don't know the extent that we care about them. You know, so so discipline helps them to realize that. Okay, so you know, you look at Adam, Adam and Eve. You know, God places this test before uh, before Adam, um, and it was it was meant to show him something. You know, and, and I think ideally, if if we think of what Adam could have done, he could have said, "Excuse me, Satan, pardon me for just one moment." Walk to the tree in the middle, the the tree of life, taken a bite of that, come back and said, okay, you don't mess with my bride. You you gotta go through me. Well, what's gonna happen, right? A dragon against a human being, he's gonna get slaughtered, right? Right. So he sacrifices his life for his bride. What would happen? What do you think God the Father would do looking at his slain son? I think he probably would have resurrected Adam and he would have been okay okay now why do i why do i know that in my gut because that's what the new adam did in the new covenant yeah you know we've got christ who goes to the tree the tree of life and he's willing to die for his bride the church you know so and he's resurrected he's heard you know so it's it's like that you know he flunked he flunked the test adam the first adam flunked the test And the consequences of that is, you know, you're kicked out of the garden. You know, God wanted all these big things for his his people. Um, In Exodus 19.16, God revealed that he had wanted Israel to be a kingdom of priests. You know, really, he wants us to be all priests, prophets, and kings. That's something that's fulfilled in baptism, Right. When we're welcomed into God's family, we're anointed priest, prophet, and king. Why is that? Well, because it goes back to the Old Testament. God wanted a kingdom of priests. He wanted that all would be prophets like unto Moses. Um, You know, he wanted that. That we would all be kings. And not just have a king. You know, because we're royalty. We're his royalty. You know? So... You know, so what happened when you look, you kind of look at history and, and you see how God is is working and fathering his people. You know, so you wanted this kingdom of priests and he, he brings his people out of Egypt, you know, which is an amazing tale, you know, of Moses and the Red Sea and they're out, you know, and, and they've got this pillar of fire i mean come on they got a pillar of fire i mean how cool is that (laughs) you know i mean is there any question that god's with us we got a pillar of fire for god's (laughs) sakes you know and then you know moses is up on mount sinai getting the ten commandments and he comes down and they've created the golden calf you know why and what what is that well when you study it and thomas aquinas you know looked at this the golden calf was really one of the gods of egypt it was a fertility god so you know they were they were afraid because they knew the Egyptians were coming after them and others were coming after them and they they weren't big in numbers, so they were going to you know have this major orgy and you know try and make more Israelites, which is kind of my business, right? Uh, so uh, I'd be there, you know, I'd be the official uh, Israelite baby deliver, hang up a shingle and, and deliver all of them if I could. Um, so they were they had this in in the works and. Uh, it it was a fertility thing and what happens so moses comes down gets really ticked shatters the 10 commandments rallies the levites and the levites kill all the the, it was the firstborn sons who were the priests it was the other priests but they were the firstborn sons that, that were in this fertility cult and uh so they end up being the priests so it's like congratulations you just ordained yourself by murdering all these other people um the point and the take-home message here in terms of discipline is God allowed the consequences of actions to be the teacher. Okay. Sometimes I think we're we're afraid to let our children experience consequences. Okay. Because oh we don't we don't want them to, you know, oh I don't want you to get hurt or I don't want this. You know, it's like the prodigal son, you know, the prodigal son says, Dad, I want my half of the estate. You're dead to me. I mean, as a dad, I'm thinking, gosh, I don't want to just about wring this kid's neck, but sure. Okay, fine. You can go, you know, and, and as a dad, there, there's part of me that, that almost is a little bit glad that he screwed it up. You know, like you just sit there with the pigs a little longer because, you know, you hurt me, but that's not how God the father is. He he was wanting his son to come back that whole time. He, I I am sure that he probably sent some of his farmhands to find out where that kid was and make sure he was okay. He knew where he was most, most likely. But the, the whole thing is, you know, the consequences are really what teach us, you know, suffering helps us to realize one that we were wrong and two where we need to go back, you know, and, and it, if we can keep the consequence right there as close to the action as possible it's it's more of a learning experience you know if you have younger kids you know i think there's a very much a cause and effect kind of thing you know if you touch that stove you're going to get burned it's going to be hot don't do that don't do that you had to do it you know but they will never touch that stove again i guarantee you they learned, you know, the hard way. You know, we we always have to learn the hard way. Sometimes, um, I I have, I like mentioned, I we have a, a real dog. We have a Saint Bernard. Uh, we got her on my birthday in November, but she's right now almost nine months old. Okay, she's 120 pounds at nine months old, <laughs> and uh, we I have been trying to work with her to to teach her. Because it's difficult to teach a dog this size. She has no idea of the strength that she has. And she jumps on people and she runs without thinking. But we got this shock collar. Okay, it's a shock collar. And I have a little button. And there's a couple of different settings. One is a little vibrate setting. One is a super short pulse shock. And one is a long shock. Okay. And I've worked with her a couple of times to to the point where it, it was very hard for me to shock her. But it had to be done because she she was running away without listening to me. Well, a, a few days later, my wife decided to take her out. And she didn't have the collar on or she didn't have the thing. Well, guess what? She ran out in the in the middle of the, the main highway and she about got killed. If she had gotten hurt, I would have felt awful. You know, but here, here was a situation with a dog that you know, what we were trying to do was to teach her that don't do this because I know what's best for you. I don't want you running out into the street because it's dangerous. And our kids don't really know what's dangerous and what isn't. Um, And and just FYI, I'm not advocating putting a shock collar on your kids. That's a little much. Um, I thought of it, but probably a little extreme um, in case some of you out there are considering that. Um, it, it would work. It really would as, as far as uh, behavioral type modifications, but so, I probably don't so, recommend that.
0: So all over the hospital, we thought it was super funny that there's signs everywhere that say, don't shake your baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes that's what it takes to, to get them to learn.
0: And I'm not sure how how long it took us, maybe two weeks, maybe a month before we, me and my wife looked at each other and we said, you know what? There's a reason for those signs now. What we thought was funny now, now yeah. being in this for a while, we kind of understand why those signs are there. But This can drive you crazy with lack of sleep and, you know, yeah. incessant crying.
2: <laughs> yeah, there, there are certain consequences that, that are too much. You know, like for example, um, I, I remember one of my nieces or nephews, they went to stick a, a fork into the electrical outlet Okay, my sister-in-law or whoever it was went over there and totally swatted them on the on the fanny, like a good hard swat. And there was some crying involved and some pain. But and the consequence of that, I mean, you, you just can't say, oh, well, they're going to stick a – we'll just let them stick a fork in the outlet. You know, if they get electrocuted, no big deal. You really just can't do that. I mean, there are some consequences that are a little bit too much. However, you, you have to make, uh, you know, make the, the discipline fit what, what it is. You know? And if it's something serious like that, they need to know. I, I remember one uh, friend, their, their child kept running into the street. And one time they just, they picked them up and they screamed at them and said, do not ever do this again. And, and it was a very traumatic situation for the child, but they never ran into the street again. You know, it it, it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Uh, You know your own child, and every child is so different. Uh, You know, when it comes to whether or not to spank, I mean, that's a question I get asked a lot. And I got into a discussion with some of the nurses one night at the hospital, um, some of which were spankers and some weren't. But I think it depends on your child. Some children, the only thing that will get to, to them is a swat on the diaper. And it, it's just like a loud noise more than anything that gets their attention. And they, they realize you mean business. Um, there are other kids that that won't do anything. Like my Timothy, uh, who's 16 now, we used to swat him on the diaper. And he'd look at me like, that's the best you got? I mean, that that's not going to do anything. So I was like, okay, forget it. We're not doing that to him because it doesn't work. But I, I think you have to know your child and what, what they what their temperament is, you know, you, you try and steer them clear of things. Um, you have to let them fall at times you warn them when they get old enough, but then you, you have to punish them in a way that hurts them. Uh, and, and that pain and suffering is what helps change behavior. You do it because you love them, not because you like inflicting pain on them. Uh, it's, it's to keep them from running out into the street is what you're doing. Uh, but, but because they have to learn they have to learn uh, the the thing that you have to remember and then this kind of goes into this spanking or no spanking the amount of force that you're that you're using has to be proportionate okay let, let me give you an example um, two of the not so fine days from the Gosser house okay there was one day my my Charlie, who's nine, almost nine, um, was really mouthing off, and I kept telling him, "You don't talk to anybody that way, especially grown up." And he he looked at me and he smiled. He gave me this little smile like I don't have to listen to you. And he he did the same thing again and disrespected me. And I and I swatted him across the face. Okay, you know he, he's obviously I'm I'm a big I'm a large human being. He's a small human being. Uh, The amount of force that was used was disproportionate, and I was completely in the wrong. Um, That's something that I took to confession. That's something that I took to him and asked him to forgive me. And I pray to God that it's not a wound that he carries later in life. Compare and contrast that to my 18-year-old son decided against with without mom and dad's knowledge to adopt a black lab dog uh, from the humane society okay uh, I found out about this because I happened to be on his checking account and I see this charge because i 'm nosy right and i it, I look because I, I look to see if I need to to give money to him to, to put money into his account of course and I see this thing from the Humane society and a, a a charge from PetSmart. So when I questioned him about it, oh yeah, I adopted a dog and I'm getting him on Monday. <laughs> this black lab was about a year old. I can't even begin to tell you how much energy this dog had. Okay. Uh, barking, running needed a lot of attention and a lot of discipline. Okay. So, you know, my thought was since he adopted this dog, that he was going to take care of the dog. I was mistaken in that assumption. Um, He would get up and not take the dog out in the morning and then go to work all day and come home at five or six at night and maybe spend a few minutes with the dog and then not take care of the dog. Okay. So his mother and I were left, mainly the, the mother was left to care for this dog. Okay. This dog was extremely disruptive to homeschooling, to, um, just about anything love to chase after the younger kids so after about four months four months had passed we had had enough so uh one night i think it was a thursday night uh, johnny came home and um francie said to him johnny we need to talk um your father and i have spoken she, she brought me into this I'm like thanks hon yeah you know, this is all you but okay i'll, I'll put my name up." your father and I have spoken and the dog has got to go. You've not lived up to your end of the bargain and taking care of this animal. And we're doing it all pretty much. And so we've made a decision. The dog is leaving. Well, Johnny age 18 walks up to his mother, gets right in her face and says, if you get rid of that dog, you'll see what I'll do. Immediately. My antenna went up like, huh? you just disrespect my pride so i i like walked calm. My, my pulse was about 50 or 60 here i walked over to the door opened the door the dog bolted out into the night i said johnny you can go find your dog <laughs> and he bolted out after that dog and, and it was probably another 45 minutes the dog was black so it was dark that night <laughs> It was no moon it took him a long time to find that dog right so all the while, I'm just, you know, sitting on the couch, praying my rosary, you know, just thinking about life and all that's about to happen. So, you know, of course, you know, he, he got the dog finally and he came in and he was very upset with me to say the least. And, you know, he, he took a, a nice swing at me while I was sitting there on the couch. Well, the thing you got to remember is um, there's a reason why they have weight classes and boxing and, and MMA. Because even though, you know, I may not be the most athletic person, I still got enough weight on me that weight can hurt you, okay? And I and he was tall and skinny, and I, I basically just took him and slammed him on the ground, some jujitsu move that I didn't even know I had, and put him in a headlock, and he was going to sleep, okay? Now, my wife is in a panic. She's like, don't kill him. Please don't kill him. <laughs> and my pulse was about 50 or 60. I mean, I, I was... I'm like, I'm not going to kill this child. I mean, I I have a lot invested in him, okay? But I I basically was asking him, are you done? Are you done? You know, and of course he's like, (laughs) you know, the the whole works. So finally I let him go. Um, He ran out into the garage and got a hatchet or whatever. And, you know, it it got a little crazy from then on. The police got called. It was, you know, one thing after another. I don't want to glamorize what happened and I'm certainly not glamorizing violence. However, this was a proportionate type of response. Unlike what happened with my younger son, this was proportionate. Um, he ended up, Johnny ended up moving out of our house. He went down and living, he lived at the house next door with my sister-in-law uh, where he, he stayed. Uh, he had he a job and was working in, kind of processing through everything, he started going to, to morning mass every day and ended up joining the Marines. Oh, wow. And right now he's been on active duty with the U.S. Marines for a year. I, I like to think that, that that whole episode taught him something. You know, it was very hard to do that to my son but I could not stand by and watch wow. him disrespect my bride. He was completely out of line and that, that wasn't going to float. It just wasn't going to happen. And now he's in a situation where he's doing something so much better in his life. He's got a lot more going for him. He's made some changes. And I think that was a seminal moment for him where he got his act together. And,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I'm so grateful that it happened that way in the moment it was agonizing. It was hard. I, you know, I'm not really proud of that, but it was necessary. Mm-hmm. It was necessary. Um, so, you know, kind of going into this, this next, next phase here. I, I'd like to, you know, ask the dads out there that are kind of taking this all in how you feeling? You know, you're ready to jump up and protect and discipline. And, you know, I, I, I think sometimes, you know, we, we get our checklist and we get some new information and we think of some things that we should be doing and we're all revved up, you know? Yes. Well, and I want to kind of back off for a second. Let's wait a minute. Let's, let's kind of just assess kind of the moment of sobriety here, assess the situation. If we're really honest, and when we look at our situation with our kids, with our spouses, you know, not everything is going great. In fact, sometimes I feel like everything's falling apart more than it's it's going well. I can guarantee you, your kids are not going to welcome discipline or protection from you. Okay? Um, the, the frustrating thing is your relationship with your spouse can be sketchy sometimes. How many times do I jump in and try and help her when it, when the kids are disrespecting her? And she says, oh, don't... Don't bother the kids. I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, I'm trying to help you, lady. Come on. Give the guy a break here. You know, the, the other thing is, you know, I, I sometimes get so frustrated because I'm not where I need to be spiritually or emotionally. Um, You know, I feel so out of it sometimes, or there, there are certain things that get me down. Um, You know, sometimes I feel like I can, I can barely keep my own life together or on the rails much less be the father, you know, and, and, help everybody else. And, you know, and I'm a, I'm a baby doctor. I, I have a busy life. There's just not enough hours in the day most times. So where, where can we get the times, you know, the time. So mo- most of the time I, I live where I like to call it's a Roman 724 encounter. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Who can save me from this body of death? thanks be to God, Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, it's, it's like you just, you kind of have that sobering moment, like it is just, how in the world is this going to get better? It's, it doesn't seem like it can possibly get better. Well, here's the good news. The third, the third installment, you got to be the protector, the disciplinarian, but you have to be the humble father. The third is the most important the third is absolutely the most important because without this, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to get out of uh, square one. Um, I'd like to, to read from the book of Philippians. It's just like this little book way back here. From Philippians chapter two. Um, and it, it talks about God's humility. Most of the time when we think of humility, we think of human humility. But God is, is humble. So let me just read from Philippians 2. Chap, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's just like breathtaking. It begs the question, what is humility? You know, we think of humility, humus, you know, it comes from the word humus, which is the word for dirt, okay, dirt. Uh, So it's like when you get to your ground, your grounding, your ground level, um, it's really the way I kind of think of humility and maybe this is oversimplification, but it's really just a realistic self appraisal. It's not self deprecation. You know, I, I like to make fun of myself a lot and, you know, yes, I'm, I'm a jackass for the Lord or this and that. It, it's really not that it's, it's not, and it's not for self esteem. Okay. It's just realistic okay like think of Mary the mother of Jesus you know she, she gets all these compliments and what does she say she's like you know behold I'm the handmaid of the Lord you know all generations will call me blessed great is yeah, I'm great because he's done he was mighty he's done great things for me and holy is his name you know so when we think of God how can we say God is humble it's not it's not that God is little it's that you know the, the old adage, "Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way." Th- that really is true for God. He's perfect in every way. I mean, it's it's easy for Him to be humble because reality is, yeah, I'm God. I, uh, you know, I'm infinite. I'm this and that. I'm I'm every good thing. But He's humble in that He He leaves it all to to because He loves. You know, He leaves it all because He loves. For us, we're inadequate. At the end of the day, we just don't have what it takes to parent. We don't have what it takes to be a spouse. We don't have what it takes to be even a halfway decent human being. There's a phrase, this was on, um, I don't know if anybody ever watched The West Wing or not, but it was a, a little plaque that was on the president's desk. God, your ocean is so big and my boat is so very small. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really thinking that knowing, Hey, I'm in this little boat on this huge ocean. However, God chooses the small. He always does. And that's, that's where I qualify. Uh, and that's where I think a lot of us qualify. Okay. He chooses the small, Like, look at the 12 disciples. Why, why didn't he choose 12 fishermen? Why didn't he choose 12 like world leaders? He chose the sinners, the tax collectors. You know, and he talk, talked about Matthew, and that's, that's awesome. He chose them. Why? Because they were the ones that realized how much they needed God. You know, those the, the sick know that they need a physician, not the well. When we're in touch with our great need for God, that's when he can enter into us and do this, the things that we need. In our families, I'll tell you, you are incapable of doing anything to help your family. You're incapable. You have nothing. And I'll say that again and again and again. And I have nothing. Okay? God has what we need. Okay? He can do that which we can't. And here's the wild thing. We, We got it in our heads that we love our kids so much, we don't even love them. As well, even a drop compared to how much God loves them. God created them. God gave them as gifts to us. And he's got more invested in them than we do. Hmm. He wants them to be saved and to be in heaven with him more than we ever could. So we're, we're stumbling around getting in the way. We're more of a, a, a problem than we are an, a, an asset or a help. You know, and the thing I, th- I think all the time is, it's not hard. It's just humanly impossible. You know, it takes the Holy Spirit to do. What's our response? You know, what what? The only response that we can have is, you know, thank you, Lord. Help me get out of your way so you can do what you need to do. I'm I'm getting in your way. So that that humility factor is the most important because. If we think we're going to do it, that we're going to be great disciplinarians or we're going to be great protectors, we're just going to get picked off by the devil and flop and fail, and we're going to end up a worse sinner than, than anybody else. But if we can stay humble, Satan hates humility. Pride is his, his thing. And if, if you can stay humble, why, why is that? Because it keeps us hungering after God. It keeps us realizing, Lord, I'm awful. Help me stay out of the way. You know, It's like St. Philip Neary. Lord, watch out for Philip today, lest he betray you again.
0: Yeah, when you look at humility as a realistic self-appraisal, as you said, and the opposite of humility being pride, I've seen it time and time again. Pride comes before the other sins. So if we're doing a realistic self-appraisal, staying humble, Will catch ourselves before we fall into these other sins. So, some of the greatest sins—it was pride that enabled the huge things to to happen and come into our lives because we're relying on ourselves and all those other type different things. So, wow, yeah. Um,
2: the uh, the thing here is, and then I would say this as in a way of closing, and then you guys can ask questions or take it from from here. Is God dwells amongst His people? right before when he created the the world he was kind of hovering over the waters right and then he was in the garden with adam and eve and then you know eventually they they made the the tent of meeting and the tabernacle and, and all those good things you know it was, i kind of felt bad for god you know he had to live in a tent for a long time there
0: <laughs> he yes, was roughing it a long long time
2: so, yeah 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 and then david David says, well, we'll make a nice temple for God, finally. And so he started it and his son Solomon finished it. It was this glorious thing. And, and God said, yes, that, that was nice. But, but that was never the temple that he wanted, was it? No. You know what the temple was that he wanted, wasn't it? Or don't you? No. Yeah. Evan's wife is going to have a baby in a little bit. Yeah. And that temple is, is waiting for God and, and we just baptize it and God fills that temple. You know, that, that's the temple he's always wanted. He doesn't want anything grand. I mean, love doesn't make sense. That, that's the thing that amazes me. It's like, you know, why? He doesn't need us. Doesn't need us. We, we add nothing. You know, it's, this is not some worship thirsty deity that wants us to bow down and, oh, you're amazing, you're amazing. It doesn't matter to him. But because God is love, love is generous. Love wants to give itself away in, in a way that doesn't make sense. You know, love will, will do things like like a mother running out into the street to get her child out of the street. She will risk her own life to save her child. You know, animals won't do that for one another. You know, that that's not something the animal kingdom they, they might try or they might bark or whatever, but but they won't sacrifice their life for their child. But true love does sacrifice, you know, in ways that, that are amazing, that don't make sense. Um, and and God loves us in that way, in a way that doesn't make sense. And why sometimes I ask God, why would you want to live in this awful temple? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but he does and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. So it's like help me to clean up the temple a little bit lord. Uh you know maybe we got some soft scrub or some windex or something whatever you need to do. Let's let's clean up the temple a little bit more because I want to make it more holy and presentable for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So as dad's you know maybe that can be Uh, When when we think of what's really going to impact our kids, it's getting our own hearts in order. Our kids are watching. They're watching us and they see us and our need for repentance. And if we really truly repent and give it to God, that speaks more to them than any lesson you could ever teach them from a book. You know, we went to, we tried to go to confession every month. Um, you know, and I went with them because I wanted them to see me repenting and doing penance. And, you know, we, we would try and do some fasting if we could, because I wanted them to see me doing it too, because I need that, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes our kids can be helpful for us. You know, we, we kind of think of it as a one way thing where we're teaching them, you know, my kids have taught me so much and helped me to be a better person because i'm trying to be a better dad for them i'm trying to be to to live that life worthy of inspiration for them mm. you know so it, it kind of goes both ways
0: we've had some great prayers throughout this um love the three points protect disciplinarian humble leader uh, leader is absolutely critical and humility absolutely is a key so that is fantastic we uh We always like to close out with a a challenge and we omitted a story that we might've included in in this one. Um, So I'll turn that one into the challenge. So Brian talked about, Dr. Gosser talked about uh, being a jackass for God and he shared one of the, one of the verses he loves in the Bible is numbers 22. So I'll challenge you guys to dive into numbers 22 and find out. Why <laughs> he used the terminology <laughs> jackass for God? <laughs> it's in there. It's in the Bible. Go check it out. <laughs> oh, so thank you very, very much. This has been uh, not only enjoyable, entertaining, but so educational and uh, some foundational stuff as we're building this community. So uh, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time and sharing your background and history and personal stories with us. Uh, stories are what bind us together and help us, you know, truly truly learn from each other. So, um thank thank you and uh, thanks for my uh, too.
2: In in kind of like to answer the challenge, I've I've felt the calling to start my own religious order, okay? And it's um it? it's the um it's the SJs, but it's S small J society of jerks. Okay. <laughs> the motto of this, this religious order is, if I can be a little less of a jerk today than I was yesterday, I'm making progress. Okay. <laughs> if I'm a little farther away from hell today than I was yesterday, then I'm making progress. Yes. You know, so that, that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's humbly recognizing, Hey, I'm, I'm closer to hell than I am to heaven. Uh, so Lord, I really need extra help today.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I li- so I, I, so I, I welcome like, you to I be like a that. part of the
2: society of jerks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to part two of the Christian dad podcast with Dr. Brian Gosser. Uh, I absolutely love this one. Uh, I know for sure I'm going to listen to this one time and time again. Uh, so thankful to be able to review this uh, and employ this into my life. Uh, how Adam and Eve were like spoiled little rich kids. I'll never forget that. Um, Let's see, what was another one? Uh, Humility, uh, the root version, humus, which means dirt. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Anyway, so many great things there. Like to ask you a favor. Uh, Guys, we have a tough time asking and asking for favors and asking for help. Uh, My favor from you that I would love is if you can, like Proverbs 6.4 says, don't put it off, do it now. Don't rest until you do. So do it now, please, please, please. Uh, dive into the Christian Dad Facebook group, uh, post some comments, uh, tell me what you're thinking. Uh, maybe review this, grab some notes and type them in there. It doesn't have to be anything fancy and formal. So again, we're about progress, not perfection. And uh, as we share our stories, ask for help, uh, congratulate others, uh, that will help other guys kind of move forward in their walk. Uh, so we want to give, we want to help, we want to ask, and we want to give props to people. So thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it a bunch. Uh, please share the podcast, invite others to the Facebook page and, uh, appreciate you guys so much. Have a great week. Bye-bye.